there in YouTube land is John with Catholic for Rednecks. Just um, hoping you can hear me because my neighbors are outside weed eating their driveway. So it's a lot of racket. But um was trying to go live with my good friend Rob from Blue Collar Catholics. He's once again unavailable. And I'm trying to hook up with a bunch of you. Um, Marissa and others. It's just tough because a lot of folks want to go live at 10 o'clock at night. They'll say, I'm available in the evenings. Well, I haven't been. Um, usually not available on weekends, but I want to work it out because primarily what I want to do is interview regular people about why they're Catholic, how they became Catholic. I want to hear your story. I like regular people. You don't have to be some popular goody two-shoes, some celebrity or anything, theologian, just regular, regular people. Your testimony, your story will get someone. Yeah, you, just you. There's different tools for different jobs. And God didn't make any mistakes when he made you. You may think he did. Sometimes I wonder. But God made you and all. He set you on a journey. It's your path, your experience. I mean, life. I mean, you had your life up to this point from the time you were born. Things made you who you are. And we like to hear about those things. A, a testimony is a very, very powerful tool. I mean, just listening to someone's story. How did you come to the Catholic Church? How did you get here? What brought you here? How in the world did you become Catholic? Because I always wondered myself. How in the hell would someone be so dumb to be Catholic? How ignorant are Catholics? I mean, really, <clears throat> it baffled me for years how anyone with a lick of sense could be a Catholic. It just baffled me. Couldn't figure it out, you know? I remember driving past a brand-new Catholic church. They were building in the nice up, upscale part of town. And first thought I had in my mind was, who is gonna go to a Catholic church in Birmingham? Because, man, just made no sense to me. <clears throat> Being Catholic made no sense to me. I had been to seminary and I had former Catholics as classmates in seminary and all. Uh, had family that had left the Catholic Church. Actually, it was my wife's family that left the Catholic Church. <laughs> my family was not Catholic. No, I'm, me and my son were the very first Catholics in my bloodline that I know about, very first, so. 
my two brothers, I'm not Catholic, my mom, dad, no. Mm-mm. By ourselves. But just hearing stories, how did you become Catholic? How does someone live for years and years in some place like Georgia or Mississippi and boom, they become Catholic? How does that happen in America, in the South, in the Bible Belt? How do people become Catholic? I saw a, someone on, um, I think, Instagram sent me a picture. Maybe it was, to, I don't know where he got the picture, but um, the Washington, D.C. area, um, they're having, they have real, a lot of people in RCIA right now. Think, think about this. Liberal blue area, Washington, D.C. I mean, I think of Washington, all the politicians and legal and government people up there in that area of Washington, D.C., a lot of money, a lot of power. Some people say it's the most powerful place in the world, in world history. I just got back from Washington, D.C. I got to do a podcast about it because... I had an experience while I was there that terrified me, scared me to death, yeah. But I was in Washington, D.C. looking at the White House and, you know, the Capitol, all those statues, Lincoln Memorial, just everything. And so much power there, so much money, government, all kinds of stuff. And yet they're RCIA, they're... They, I saw the picture of the, they had, you know how they have the right of the election when you're going through RCIA, taking the classes to be Catholic. They had that one ceremony. You don't even know what it is, really. I think that's the one where they anoint you with a cross. I'm not sure. <clears throat> that was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in their RCIA. I mean, it was like a, a big view of their cathedral or Huge church jam-packed all these people becoming Catholic this year. I guess they're, <clears throat> I get, I guess it right now, coming up Easter, just hundreds and hundreds of people. And my question is, how do people become Catholic in a country that is so anti-Catholic? Because the United States is very anti-Catholic. The media, uh, Hollywood, it's just all negative on the Catholic Church, and we helped ourselves none in that area. But how does someone go from living in a Protestant rural place, and next thing you know, they're riding down the road in their pickup truck praying a rosary? That just fascinates me. When I was interviewing with EWTN, and I got to the part in uh, human resources, you know, when they ask you all these questions. And then at the end, the uh, lady that conducted my interview just said, well, how did you become Catholic? And she told me that she loves hearing these stories. How do people that live around here where I live become Catholic? And then... After that, I went to see Mr. Warsaw, Michael Warsaw, who 
<clears throat> Last I heard, he's the CEO of EWTN. Last I heard. And uh, at the end of the interview, he asked me, hey, look, how'd you become Catholic anyhow? Because people around here are not Catholic. My neighbors aren't Catholic. Well, I do have some Catholic neighbors. But, I mean, here where I live, everybody just about is an Alabama football fan. Okay? And most everyone here where I live doesn't think too kindly about Catholic Church. <clears throat> My family's not Catholic. My neighbors aren't Catholic for the most part. I mean, I'm just out in an ocean. If you can imagine the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, and he's just out there by himself for years. That is me. That's me. <clears throat> Catholic. Not only Catholic, but pretty much on fire obsessed Catholic. The kind of Catholic that goes to Mass, prays rosary, and sins too much. So, but it just amazes me how people become Catholic. When I'm at communion tomorrow at the cathedral, when I'm on my needler watching everyone come up to get Jesus in the Eucharist, and I'm amazed, I'll be amazed at the lines of people, hundreds of people in Birmingham, Alabama. It amazes me. Where are these people coming from? Because I went an entire lifetime growing up here when zero Catholic influence. Zero. <clears throat> Only thing I knew about the Catholic Church is what I saw in movies and on the news. That's all I knew. So it just baffles me. How do people become Catholic? How, how do all uh, some people, you know, a lot of people leave the Catholic Church. It's um, been said that the second largest Christian denomination in the world is ex-Catholics. I don't know if that's true or not, but these people leave the Catholic Church, and occasionally I talk to one of them, and just listening to them for a few minutes, and you find out um, they don't really understand the Catholic faith to start with. I mean, um, it was apparent. So, I read an article that the first, pre the, yeah, I've heard that about Washington. I've heard and read President Washington became Catholic on his deathbed. <clears throat> and I've read that that's probably not true. I don't know. But it's amazing. You know, John Wayne became Catholic on his deathbed. You know, he met a nun, and the nun didn't know who he was. And he couldn't believe that some lady didn't know who he was. John Wayne, movie star. And she started coming by his bedside and talking about life and Jesus and became, he became Catholic. So, I don't, you know, I'd be glad if Joe Biden would become Catholic. 
That'd be really neat if Joe Biden would become Catholic. So <clears throat> when I say Catholic, I'm talking about people that all have made a decision to live the Catholic faith. It's a big, it's a big decision because it's not like being a Southern Baptist. It's not like being in any other church I've been in. I mean, becoming Catholic. Man, it's all, it's huge to be a real Catholic. I'm not talking about a TV Catholic. I'm not talking about just sitting around the table Sunday and doing the sign of the cross, you know, and then that's it. No, being Catholic is a, um, is the Catholic church herself calls herself a cult. It's very hard being Catholic, Teresa. It's very hard. Straight up, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's hard being Catholic. And when I say hard, I mean there's a lot to it. And I guess that's what scares a lot of people off is they think that we're working, that we're working, working to be saved, to stay in God's good graces. Well, I can see their point because marriage, even if you're happily, happily married to the most wonderful person in this world, it's still a lot of work to be married. A lot of work. Is it a gift? Yes. Yes. Same thing with kids, okay? <clears throat> now, it may be easy to get pregnant, you know, for male and female to hook up. That's the easy part. Get pregnant, then Mother Nature, so to speak, takes her course, and then nine months later, you have a baby. And no matter how much you love that baby, how much you, I mean, you know, if you're a mom and dad or grandparent, you know what it's like when you hear that baby cry and you hold that baby. I mean, there's no greater love, you know? No greater love than that, but once you have that baby, there's a lot of work involved, okay, a lot of work. You may have the most beautiful spouse in the world that you love, then have the most beautiful kids in the world that you love. There's a lot of work, a lot of work. So there's a lot of work to being Catholic. You may love Jesus, with all your heart and love to Mother Mary with all your heart and love being a friend of God, a friend of God, being a Christian. But if you love Jesus, you're going to be busy doing a lot of stuff because there's a lot of stuff to being Catholic, to being, to do what the Church has said for you to do every day. My younger brother, he's Southern Baptist. We talk, text, whatever, every day. 
and all. He asked me out of the blue the other day, do y'all have Sunday school? Hey, Christopher, he said, do y'all have Sunday school, training union, prayer, you know, vacation Bible school, all that stuff, you know. Because in his mind, Catholics just show up at Mass, then they leave, and he's right for the most part. Because that's what most of us do. We go to Mass, then we don't go back till next time we go to Mass. And we're not ones that hang out talking about football and stuff after Mass. It's spring, summer, winter, or fall. So he said, y'all have classes? I said, yeah, we got all kinds of classes. And I got to thinking about all the classes that there are available if you want to be Catholic and learn your faith. And I was thinking... There's no other religion that exists in this world. Yes, I said religion that will support you like a Catholic church will, but you've got to be there and be involved. You know, the ones that followed Jesus, they didn't just pull out a long chair. And when Jesus walked by, howdy, Lord. Howdy, see you next time you come through town. No, if you wanted to be involved with the Lord, then you'd have to get off your bottom and follow him around. Yeah, work, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of work being a Catholic. It is a lot of work. But it's not how we're saved. The Catholic Church does not teach that we work our way to salvation. And the Catholic Church does not teach that we have other mediators. You know, I get the comment all the time, at least once a week. You know, especially if I post a picture of the Virgin Mary. That somebody always say, there's only one mediator between God and man. Yeah, we believe that. One mediator between God and man the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've been listening. Worship is not praise the Lord, throw your hands in the Lord. You're right. Worship, you're, you're right. Marriage is a form of worship. You know, you're laying down your life for someone that you believe to be better than yourself and you're serving that person. Yeah, that's right, you know. But being Catholic's hard. Let me give you an example. Now, being Baptist is easy. Being Baptist is easy. To be a Baptist, all you have to do to be a Baptist. Now, they got the easiest the easiest religion ever that you could ever imagine. If You know, you talk about minimum standards, <clears throat> a, a low threshold of salvation. All you got to do is believe that Jesus died for your sins. And uh, ask him into your heart. And you are saved. Okay, really, I mean, if you 
really believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, if you accept that, just accept that and invite him, you know, personally, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. Amen. If you say that prayer right there, and it is based on Romans 10, 9, and 10, and John 3, 16. Then in the Baptist religion, you are forever and ever saved. Okay? <clears throat> now the Baptist religion, the real hardcore members will say, well, now that you're saved, we got a bunch of stuff for you to start doing. Yeah. That, that's what they're going to do. So if you get saved at the Baptist church, it's the easiest religion in the world to follow. There's not an easier religion than the Southern Baptist religion <clears throat> established in Augusta, Georgia, 1845. The Southern Baptist religion, okay, began in Augusta, Georgia, where they play golf. It's the border between the state of Georgia and South Carolina. It's on I-20. If you leave Birmingham, <clears throat> drive a couple hours through Atlanta, drive a couple of hours more, you'll be in Augusta, Georgia. Big golf place. And that is where, Christopher, I'm reading that, that is where the Southern Baptist religion was founded. If you are a Southern Baptist, if you were born and raised Southern Baptist, then your religion was born in Augusta, Georgia. Now, Jesus was born in Israel. And the church that Jesus started was born in Israel. And all the apostles connected to the birth of Jesus Christ, Christianity. They were in Israel. And then the founders of Christianity ended up in Rome because that was the capital of everything. Wrong. So the big guns and the church Jesus started, Peter and Paul, the two big guns, they ended up in Rome, preaching and teaching out of Rome. Now the church that they started and the church they were at still has its doors open today. That church that moved from Jerusalem to Rome with Peter and Paul, that church, there's even a letter written to that particular church in the New Testament called the letter to the church at Rome. It's called Romans. So there was a church in the early church that was 
in Rome. This is back in like A.D. early. Okay? Church in Rome. That church has had 266 bishops in a row. That church has never ceased. That church that Peter and Paul ended up at in Rome, that very church, the book of Romans is written to in the Word of God. That church is still going strong. As a matter of fact, that church had gotten so big that they started building and establishing satellite branches all over the world, all over the world. Yeah. That church that ended up in Rome has just expanded and they've sent so many people out all over the world to establish more churches just like that one in Rome. Just thousands and thousands and thousands of other little churches like the one in Rome. They're all over the world. Wow. Teaching the same stuff. Teaching what those apostles taught. That church in Rome teaches exactly what they was teaching back then. I mean, they're still teaching it. Still teaching it. But this Baptist church now, <clears throat> they began the Baptist Church, Afternoon Stream. That sounds good too, Jr. That Baptist Church. Now, it didn't get started till 1845. Okay? You, you Baptists and your church started in 1845 in Georgia. And the reason they started this Baptist Church was so that they could own slaves because there's just a bunch of Baptists and the Baptists in the northern part of the country thought it might be wrong to have human beings in cages. So they started a dispute and the Baptists in the south said, no, there are slaves in the Bible. We're going to have slaves too. So the ones in the South <clears throat> formed up in Augusta and said, we slave owners here. We are the slave owners. Yeah, you, J.R., yeah, Brook Hills. Woo There's a story behind that Baptist church. But see, they also did not want any drinking. No drinking at all in this new Baptist church. So you could have a slave, but you could have no beer in the Baptist church. True, true story. You could drink a beer. I mean, you could have a slave, but you could drink a beer. Think about it. You can own a human being and bust up his family and send his babies to the marketplace and get rid of his children and his wife 
You can do that all you want, but you can't drink a damn beer. That was the thing. Southern Baptist. <clears throat> you don't believe me? Then go to any reputable library and Google Southern Baptist Church, Southern Baptist, and find out they was founded because their slave-owning hierarchy wanted to have slaves. And that same church is still here, okay? And to join that church, all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And according to them, forever and ever and ever and ever, forever and ever and ever, you are once saved, right now, forever saved. That means no matter what you do wrong, no matter what, no matter what, in the future, if you sin, then all you got to do is go to 1 John 1, 9, and it says to confess your sin, and you're forgiven. Don't let that little word confess bother you. But that's what they say. They say if you sin, you know, you, you commit a horrible sin, a bad sin then all you have to do is go tell Jesus you're sorry. And after you tell Jesus you're sorry in your heart, then all is well. It's forgiven. Now, you're going to go to heaven anyhow, even though you just did these horrible things. You're still saved and going to heaven. See, this is just restore the good feelings, the the good gracious, they believe, Baptists believe that when you sin, no matter what that sin is, now this is a good deal. This is a really good deal, I think. You truly ask Jesus into your heart, then you're forever saved. They believe that all your sins, past, present, future, all those sins, or forever washed away, even your future sins. Like if something happened in your life and you became a serial rapist and you went on a just a, a bad streak and had about 21 victims, um, they believe you're still going to heaven. You know, like if the police shoot you in the act, they believe you're going to go from committing a mortal sin to the sweet, loving arms of Jesus. Just straight down. I mean, you could be committing adultery, doing anything, man. You could just be, you know, committing any sin that you can conceive of and die in that sin. I mean, you're going straight to Jesus, your loving Savior, to be hugged, to be welcomed home. Welcome to the streets of gold, to your 
here's your keys to your mansion. Because what they're believing is that when Jesus died for your sins, that he died for your sins in such a way that they're, they're non-existent, ever, ever, ever non-existent, can never be used against you, never will be. God will never think about those sins again. If you ask Jesus into your heart, you ask Jesus into your heart, come into my heart as my personal. Yep, use that word, personal, Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and be my personal. Don't leave that word out. It's critical. Personal, Lord and Savior. Be sure to put that part in the prayer. It's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible, but be sure you put that part in the prayer. Personal Lord Savior. Okay? Because, see, they don't think us Catholics have a personal Lord and Savior. They think it's all bookwork. You know, like you're just, yes, Catholic, yep, stamp it, yep, Catholic. See, they ain't never been to a baptism in the Catholic Church where they're asking you specific questions about your faith. They don't hear you confessing the dogmas of the faith. They don't hear you reciting, you know, anything. They don't, they don't, they've never been to a confirmation of baptism. They were not hearing what you heard, you know, what you said, oath you made. They're not hearing, no. All they want to know is you ask Jesus to come into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the main thing. Everything else is optional. Baptism, church attendance, prayer, reading your Bible, options. Those are good options. And the good, the Baptist church, the good Baptist church people, they will tell you now, Billy Bob, there's nothing you can do to be saved. You're effed. You're going to hell. You're effed. You're spiritually effed. You're going to hell. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. But Jesus died for you, died for your sins. And if you'll ask Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart, then you're born again. Right then, you're born again. Jesus comes and lives inside of your heart forever and ever and ever, no matter what. They call that eternal security, eternal salvation, what saved, always saved, justification. And they say that it's based on the finished works of Jesus. They said that what Jesus did on the cross when he died, took care of everything, everything, okay? Now, never mind that it took something called a resurrection, an Easter when Jesus conquered death, when he died, did the things he had to do, then rose from the dead. So that's a big deal. That's the deal maker and the deal breaker. He arose from the dead. 
Okay? Jesus was not finished with everything on the cross. When he said it is finished, you got to think about context, okay? Because if he just meant, oh, it's finished, that's all, then he would have come down off the cross right then, and we'd be finished. But no, he did had to do a lot more. He had to actually die, right? Didn't he have to actually die and be dead and present himself as blood? Didn't he have to go to this, you know, the other side, the abyss? He had a lot to do. Three days of work. We think he's just sleeping in the tomb. Think he's just sleeping there like the Jehovah's Witness waiting for the resurrection. Think he's just snoozing, taking a break for three days, set his alarm clock. No, Jesus was busy doing stuff. Everything he did had meaning. And he rose up on Easter and a female saw him first. Yep, so the Baptist. They're not interested in anything but you accepting Jesus into your heart. And once he's in your heart, then you're saved forever. And you don't have to get baptized. You don't have to pray. You don't have to go to church or tithe. You don't have to do nothing ever again because they say that's works. Those are works. And they're going to tell you that all your works is filthy rags. And they're going to tell you that there's none righteous. No, not one. There's no righteous, okay? Um, then you'll say, what about over there in James where it says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much? Or what, you know, really, there's a bunch of places in the Bible that talk about righteous people. So, Context, it's always context, but now they're going to tell you this. They're going to say, now, if you really are saved, you're not going to want to do all those bad things. And if you really are saved, then you are going to want to go to church and say your prayers, get baptized. They're saying that once you ask Jesus in your heart, that if you really mean that, then because you did that, then you're going to have to do all these things to prove that you really are saved. So, they don't believe spring, summer. They don't believe. It's kind of like this. They're saying two things out of their mouth at the same time. They're telling you that it's just faith. That's all there is. And then when you stand up, they're, they're giving you a list of things you got to do. But they're saying your salvation don't depend on you doing this list. But if you're really saved, you're going to be doing this list. So they got to work out somehow. But Catholic is a different deal. Okay? In the Catholic religion, you need to understand what you're getting into if you're a convert. Okay, now, it takes a long time to learn just the ABCs of being Catholic. That's right, Christopher. It takes a long time. You know, Catholics, I mean, we got 
We got a lot of things we do. They believe statues and pictures of Jesus are idolatry. Yeah, a lot of them do. And that's something strange about Baptists because they, they have everything we got. Baptists do and believe. Everything Catholics do and believe. Baptists do and believe as well. They just don't know they're doing it. Okay? Now, they won't. They won't admit it, but they but they do a lot of Catholic stuff they're not aware of. Yeah. Well, you know, the Baptist church sprinkled two. Yeah, they sprinkled two in their beginnings. Sometimes they had to. They say you had to be dumped. Yeah. Um, what I always say is context, because when you say baptism, that's great. Let's baptize you. When we say we want you to be dunked all the way in, then all the way out, they say that the Baptists say immersion is baptism or it's not baptism. They'll turn around and say it's not required. They say it's a symbol. It's just, it's an outward, it's, it's you when you get baptized in Baptist church, you're doing something as a public witness, an outward thing to show, to prove, to identify that you're dying to yourself, that you're rising up as a Christian, that you believe. But they don't believe that it does anything. They don't. They believe it makes your hair wet. Yeah, they say that the rosary is vain repetition. They do say that, but they'll wear that Pledge of Allegiance out. That's vain repetition, too. But um, <clears throat> in the Baptist world, it's just, I mean, I can't think of an easier religion. And, and this is a really neat thing, okay? If the Baptists are right, if the Baptist church is right about once saved, always saved. If the Baptist church is right, then all you got to do is ask Jesus into your heart. If they're right and you're forever saved, think about how good <clears throat> that's going to be. That means that all of us crazy Catholics are going to heaven because we believe in Jesus. I mean, we do the Apostles' Creed we confess Jesus our Lord and Savior every day of the week. Did you know that if you pray the rosary according to the Baptist teachings, that if you pray the rosary, you're getting saved? Yeah. If you pray a rosary, then you're confessing the Apostles' Creed out loud. Yeah, they, they, you're right, they are. They're big time into getting people saved. And uh, <clears throat> the thing I like about Baptists is they'll go door to door and make sure you're saved. But they have their definition of being saved that's different 
than some definitions. Down here where I live in Alabama, if you go on the street corner and ask people, are you saved? They know what you're talking about. But if you go to a Catholic area and ask people if they're in a state, you know, if they're saved, they don't know what you're talking about. Protestant church in front of me, Protestant church. But yeah, they don't. Baptists don't believe in purgatory. They don't believe, they believe in the Trinity. They believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Most Baptists say they don't believe in anything unless it's explicitly written in the word of God, but you get to ask them questions and you'll find out pretty soon that uh, they may be more Catholic in their thinking than what they think, okay? Um, Baptists, they're called Baptists, baptism. That they're named after something they don't believe in. <clears throat> they do not believe that water baptism is necessary to salvation. They don't believe it, but they call themselves Baptists. And the reason they call themselves Baptists is because when their original founder left the Anglican Church, the Anglican Church, when they left the Anglican Church, they did not believe that their infant baptism was valid. So they believed that once you got to a certain age, they call it the age of accountability, then you were responsible for your sins and getting saved. Then you could be old enough to make a conscious public decision to be saved. Then you would have to be baptized then. So they believed in adult baptism or what they call believer's baptism. Now, they don't believe it saves you. They just believe it's a, uh, a sign, an initiation. It's symbolic. Now, the Catholic Church believes that salvation saves you. Okay? It's a sacrament. A sacrament. Salvation is a sacrament that is, I mean, salvation is when you're baptized. In the Catholic religion, you're baptized, and that removes your original sin, all right? So the Baptist church is real funny about this. The Baptist church is really funny about this. Now, the Baptist church believes that you are born a sinner with original sin. And they'll say it again and again. For all the sin and falling short, the glory of God. That's one of their very favorite verses. They believe that you're born in sin, original sin. They believe that every baby born in this world is born with original sin. But they do not believe that that person is responsible for that mortal sin they're born in until later on in life, maybe when they're 10 or 20 or 15 or 12, then they believe when you know, when it dawns on you that you're a sinner, when you know that you're a sinner, then, then, and only then, 
can you get saved? And then, and only then, can you be baptized? Because they do not believe in baptizing babies. So on one hand, they agree with us Catholics that we are born with original sin. And we Catholics believe that that original sin must be removed immediately. So we get our babies baptized. We get rid of that sin, that original sin, Adam's sin, all that sin, boom, gone, deleted, washed away, waters of baptism. And people say, well, you know, that little baby don't know what they're doing till it don't count. And they forget that in the Old Testament, when you had a baby, that you got that baby circumcised. Why? Because the circumcision brought that baby into the covenant of faith. The covenant. Okay, so to become a Jew, to be a child of Israel, a child of the promise, you had to get circumcised. You were a baby, didn't know what you were doing, didn't make a decision, didn't take the class, nothing. You just was born, next thing you know, they are trimming you. Mm -hmm. They're trimming your privates, and you're hollering and crying about it. Well, you just got born again in the Jewish way. You brought into the kingdom, and then it's up to you later in life to follow that religion. Same thing, Catholicism you get baptized, you're born again, you're brought into the family. When you get older, it's up to you to do all the things that the Lord gave us to do. And it's all written down. So it is hard being Catholic, but it's hard being married. It's hard being a dad. Yeah, it's hard doing a lot of things we love in life. People that love playing the guitar, but it was hard to learn to play guitar. I mean, if you want to play guitar and be good at guitar, then you're going to have to have a love enough of it to practice and play, and that can be hard. You know, so, you know, Catholic Church does not teach anywhere that we're saved by works. That is a, a lie, okay? Catholic Church does not believe that. Catholic Church believes in grace. So I'll try to have a guest on here tomorrow live. I'm going to try to do every day. We'll see you later.